0: Welcome to the Way Family Church Sermon Podcast. We are glad you're here with us. Join us in person every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. at Laffer Middle School in Tucson, Arizona. Good morning, church. Welcome to Way Family Church. Welcome. I know we have some new folks here. We're glad that you're with us. I hope that you uh, received a warm welcome. So we're currently going through the book of James, and we've been seeing it from start to finish. Uh, But, uh, I think Sandy mentioned it today. Today is the big game, right? For Americans, this is a big deal, right? How many of you guys are pushing for the Chiefs? Oh, brother. (laughs) Eagles? All right, how many of you guys don't care? (gasps) Woo! All right. Well, today's uh, sermon title is God Willing. May the Lord's will be for the chiefs to lose or win, or the eagles to lose or win, right? May it be his will, whatever happens. And so, um, you know, there are many marks of a true Christian from what we have seen from James. And uh, some of those marks are like love, right? We have love for one another, repentance from sin, humility, devotion to prayer, holiness, obedience growth and you kind of can go on from there this is what happens to a believer when they surrender themselves to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and so James gives us this letter here this is what it is is a letter he's the leader of the Jerusalem church and he's writing to all the Christians who are not in Jerusalem and so he writes them because he's their leader he's like their pastor right and he wants to make sure that they're being instructed in the way of the Lord and that no one's losing their way because did you know that we are forgetful beings? And that did you know that we're also very selfish beings? We tend to want to do what we want to do. You know, Whatever feels right, that's what we go with. That's what we tend to do. And, and I think as Christians, it's important to be reminded. This is why we gather Sunday mornings, is because we forget things. Or we just don't know things. We're going to see a little bit about that today. But James is writing so that we're well-informed, we're well-instructed, so that we continue... You know developing those marks of a true believer holiness self-control love for one another obedience and growth and so on and so forth but i believe that nothing summarizes the character of a true believer than a desire to do the will of god that's that's the summary right there everything that we've listed there and more really can be summed up by this is the will of god and as a christian As as you who are my brothers in Christ, you know, I have had the privilege to get to know a lot of you guys. That is our full desire is we just want to walk according to God's will. That's what we want to do. You know, and sometimes we don't know what that is in the moment. Right. We can know many things from what the scripture says, but there's moments where it's like, God, what is your will right now? But that's our longing, that's our heart, is we just want to move forward according to God's will. That is a good mark, a true mark of a true believer. It's someone who's eager to go, move, do things according to the instruction of God, according to his will. Look at Psalm 48, written by David. David, beautiful. Just his heart for God is amazing, right? He says, I delight to do your will, O oh my God. Your law is within my heart. This should be also our prayer. This should be also our proclamation. We desire to do your will, God. Your law is within our heart. What we do is what you want us to do. Psalm 143, David also adds, Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your spirit lead me on level ground. Still a lot of learning and growing to do, right? But nevertheless, we ask the Lord to continue to do that in us. And then Jesus also taught in Mark three thirty five. And this is good. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. And if you look at the context of this, it's like, well, why would he say mother? Because his family is looking for him at the time. But he's busy doing the will of the Lord, right? And so we see that it's very important for the believer to long after the will of the Lord. And then in Matthew 7, 21, we receive a very sobering warning from Christ. And this one, this one gets me all the time. It doesn't get old for me. And it says this, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Those are the ones who will enter the kingdom of heaven. For those who seek the Father's will, the Lord is present, he is with us. And perhaps this is why Peter and Paul, or not Peter, Peter and John, disciples of Christ, they exhorted Christians to surrender their own desires and to live for the will of God. This is pretty much their entire messages. Surrender yourself to his lordship. Walk according to the will of the Lord. And for James, doing the will of God is another observable test of genuine faith. I think it's important for us to take a look then. Okay, what what are we going to learn about the will of God today? After all, a true Christian is characterized by doing God's will, yes? So let's turn to James. And before we get to our passage today, I just want to remind you of how the Lord taught us to pray and how important it is for us to walk according to God's will. He said, you shall pray like this, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven, right? This is very important for us, for this to be a part of our daily prayer is, Father, we want your will to be done here on earth. We want to move according to your will, not ours. All right. So this is, this is really hard. You know, especially when our favorite football team is playing and our will is that our team wins. You know what I mean? That's just an example. It gives us a good understanding of what it is to want our will to be what happens. But our prayer should be, your will, Lord, be done here on earth as it is in heaven. On the other hand, that's, that's to walk according to God's will. On the other hand, constant disregard for uh God's will or disinterest in God's will exposes pride in folks. It it, it exposes the true sense of pride that we sometimes deal with. And we've seen in previous portions of this letter that by pride also comes conflict, also comes worldliness. And last week we looked into slander. This is the product of the pride that is in us. And to disregard God's will is to say, I got this. I'm sovereign over my life I don't need anybody it is what I will now James gives a gracious warning about this selfish attitude he says God opposes the proud but he gives grace to the humble so if there's any pride in us that the Lord opposes let's get that in check Let's expose that thing so that we can deal with it. And so therefore, James continues with practical wisdom. And I love this. This is like the Proverbs of the New Testament, the book of James. He gives practical wisdom in regards to responding according to God's will and not our own. So let's see what God says through James. Let's go to James chapter 4, verse 13 through 17. And it says this. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town, and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little while or for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, For him, it is sin. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word. We ask, Father, that you continue to grow us, to sanctify us, to help us move according to your will. I thank you for this expression of grace and love through James, who's written, Father, to be able to correct us, to rebuke us, and to train us up to be more like you, better like you, Lord. So we ask that you would speak to us, that we would be eager to receive from you today. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. Okay, so did you notice how James uses the illustration of a business person? Do you see that? It was very business-like there, the the example that he gives. And this particular illustration would have made perfect sense for the audience that he's writing to. Who's he writing to? He's writing to the dispersed, the Jews who are no longer in Jerusalem. They're out in the outer world, as they know it, right? They're doing things away from Jerusalem, so they're surrounded by uh, the Hellenistic culture. They're surrounded by a lot of just cultures that are crossing paths. And in order to make it in these lands, in these worlds, it's part of the world, you have to be good at trade. You have to be a good business person. And so most of the people who were out of Jerusalem and into the Gentile world, right, they were most likely business people. They were most likely out doing something, providing a service or trading some kind of good, and that's how they made their living. And so for James to use this this, uh, this example was extremely relevant to them. And so by using this relevant illustration, James gives significant insight into how people respond to God's will. And I think it's amazing. As I was preparing for this, my 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 brain was just whew, brain matter everywhere. I thought, wow, this is crazy. I didn't see this before, right? Which tends to happen every time I dive into the, the, the Lord's world, word is like, God. Why didn't you show me this before? But wow, nevertheless. And so what I see here is that he presents three negative responses to the will of God here in this passage here. And then he also provides one positive response to the will of God. The first negative response to God's will is to disregard him in the first place. We'll dive into it in a second. The second negative response to the will of God is to deny it. The third negative response to the will of God it's to disobey it. You're thinking, those are probably the same thing. Well, almost, but they're different. And the sequence is it's very interesting. And then James shows a good response to the will of God, and that's to delight in it, to respond according to it. And so that's what I want to do. I want to look into these three negative responses to the will of God. And then this good example of the positive. Like, this is what we ought to do. So follow along with me in your notes or in your Bible. Let's go to James, verse 13, chapter 4, verse 13 through 14. Let's start with disregarding God's will and how foolish it is. Okay? So let's look at that. 13. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. It sounds a lot like like Ecclesiastes, if you ask me, right? But what's going on here? See, this is is how we shouldn't behave. We shouldn't be uh, uh, foolish in regards to disregarding the word of the Lord or the will of the Lord. This is to live as though God doesn't exist, as he's just nothing to us. To disregard is just that. I'll give you an example, okay, when, uh, when my daughter, Jaylee, was tiny, she was speaking, she, she, she began to speak very early in life, and so I thought, I'm going to teach her how to speak Spanish. She's going to be bilingual, right? And so, if you know my daughter, she's a very strong-willed person, right? God bless her, <laughs> and, she, uh, and, and she's with me one day, and I tell her, hey, Jaylee. Look, this is La Mesa. She looks at me and she says, no, Daddy, that's the table. <laughs> no, 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 Jaylee, no, no. In English, this is the table. In Spanish, this is La Mesa. No, Daddy, you're silly, this is the table. And so here I am trying to instruct her into something, but she's disregarding what I'm saying. It's just going right over her head she has no idea what i'm trying to do right instead she's correcting me this is like a level of ignorance almost like you don't see it it's like it doesn't exist like spanish didn't exist to her she didn't really understand the concept of different language right nevertheless i failed at teaching her how to speak spanish but do you see the example this is the the person who disregards god's will doesn't even see what it is it's it's invisible to them it's like of no meaning it they don't even think about it. They don't mind it. It's nothing of importance to them. And so James says and all of these, he says, come now, you who say. That word come now, it would have sounded like this. Listen up. These are words of rebuke. So James is actually rebuking the people that he's writing to. He says, listen up, you who say. That word you who say is a single word in the Greek and it's lego. I don't know if this is where we get the lego blocks from, but the word is lego. And that literally means the ones who are saying. So he says, Listen up, you who are saying, In this particular word is the ones who are saying or boasting, who are loudly proclaiming something about themselves based on reason or logic without regard for God's will. So in that example of, of my daughter, she was saying, no, that's the table. That's her reason, that's her logic. And he says, listen up, those who are saying, who are boasting in their own logic and reason, in their own mind, in their own wisdom and knowledge, See, this, this falls perfectly in line with the teaching of slander that we did last week. Because when we slander, we function according to our own wisdom, our own mind, our own logic. We process, we do think things through, right? But we do it wrongly. And then this is the effect of it. And so he's saying, listen up, you who are saying, right? And in previous verses, when we saw that about slander, 11 through 12, he rebukes those who are habitually doing this kind of, this kind of thing. Where we're talking according to our own will and knowledge. And then he continues to say in verse 13, today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Again, this illustration would have been perfectly clear to these folks that he's writing to. And I think it makes sense to us because a lot of us function this way. We're constantly planning for tomorrow, right? We're constantly wanting to do the right thing. And, and I think it's noteworthy that planning in it itself Is not a bad thing. And this is not what James is rebuking. It's not the actual process of planning. That's not the problem. In fact, the Lord commends those who plan. The Lord commends those who actually think things through and they make decisions according to wisdom. So that's a good thing. That's not what James is touching on. What James is touching on is what they're not doing. See, they're planning, but they're completely disregarding God. And so what they're doing is they're leaving God totally out of it. That's the problem. That's what James is saying. And so the problem is not the planning. That's good. The problem is it's my plan and my alone, not God. But there's this also this sense of ignorance as well. I just want to remind you, you know, when we aspire to do or accomplish much without minding the Lord, we end up sounding a lot like Satan did. Remember, I read this passage to you last week from Isaiah. The, the five I wills from Satan, you know, the thing that the, the very thing that caused this fall. Let's read it again. Isaiah chapter 14, 13 through 14. This is what Satan said. I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mountain of assembly. He says, I will ascend from above or ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. That is selfish will, completely disregarding the Lord. This is the danger that we face when we completely disregard the will of the Lord. And look at this passage, this continued reading here in verse 13. Look at what we say through this example. This just blew my socks off when I saw this. In our self-confidence, rather than inquiring of the Lord, we sound a lot like this. And we say, I will choose my own time today or tomorrow. You see that? And we also choose our own location. We say, I will go to such and such place. We also choose our own duration and we say, I will spend a year there. Are you seeing this? And we choose our own mission or enterprise and we say, I will trade or I will do whatever it is that you will do, right? We choose our own objective and goal, and I will make a profit now. What if this is not the Lord's will for us? Then we're kind of in the wrong, right? See, none of these things would be wrong if God was in it every moment. You know, and if we were moving according to His will and His mission and His purpose for us. But nevertheless, when we leave God out of it, we become very selfish. And then we see that pride come out of us, right? And that's the problem. Because when we exclude God from our plans, then what we're essentially saying is, I'm omniscient. I know it all. I'm omnipotent, I have the power to do what I want to do. I'm invulnerable, no one can stop me, right? Uh Uh-oh, now this is sounding a little off, right? And this is exactly what James is saying is let's not get to that place where we leave God so far out of it that we're functioning according to our own will. And that's the pride in us coming out. And that's why we have to constantly remember that passage just a few verses before that where it says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. This is why this is such a big deal. Because we never want to be found in a position where we're opposed because of our pride. But instead, the grace of God, that's what we need all right? Whether you think you want it or not, you need it. For after all, you're nothing without God. And so that's the first thing that, that James points out is we shouldn't disregard his will. Now let's look at this parable really quick from Luke chapter 12. I want to take you there to Luke chapter 12, um, verse 16 through 21. Just listen, read along with me. And Christ himself speaks to this, the foolishness of leaving God out of our, our planning. Read, read this along with me. He says, and he told him a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, ah, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grains and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul. You have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, "Fool! This night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, those they those will be uh, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up the treasures for himself and is not rich towards God." Says so he what we see here is that we must must be rich towards God. Our planning must include God. Our planning must be according to his will. Sometimes we leave out of it. We don't think about the possibility of what God may have ahead for us. And I promise you this, we do not want to be found in that day of judgment to be outside of God's will. That would be an awful situation for us. Instead, we want to be found living and moving according to God's Will. That's the purpose in our life. That's what the Lord has called us to. Proverbs 27 1 says, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what tomorrow may bring. And then this is what James is talking about. Verse 14, he says, You do not know what tomorrow will bring. This is why we need to walk according to God's word. We don't know what what moment the Lord's going to demand to bring justice to us or judgment to us. And he says, For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. In other words, this life is so short and it's not worth living recklessly. It's not worth living in a way that we think we ought to live it. It is totally uh, uh, worth living in the way that the Lord has called us to live because it vanishes. And this reminds me of a lot of Ecclesiastes where Solomon says, Hevel, Hevel, everything is Hevel. Vanity, vanity, everything is vanity. You know what Hevel is? It's the word for smoke. It's like the, you could see it, it's right there, but you can never grasp it you know, and it's there for a little bit and then it's gone. Our lives are very much like that. It's just a vanity in the sense that it's there for a little bit and then it's gone. We can never actually grasp it. How many of you guys have gotten a hold of smoke? You can't, right? This is what life is and therefore we need to be prepared because Hebrews 9, 27 says, it is appointed for man to die once and after that comes judgment. So let's be ready. Let's do not disregard the wisdom of the Lord, the will of the Lord, so that when judgment comes, we're ready. Disregarding the wisdom of the Lord is foolish. Now, the second response to God's will is being arrogant and denying it. Arrogance says, nah, deny, right? So let's look into that part. Denying God's will is arrogant. Let's read verse 16. We'll come back to 15 in a moment. It says this in 16. 16. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Okay, what's the difference between uh, disregarding God's will and denying it? Okay, the story with Jaylee and the table, that was disregarding it. Denying it is, and you might relate, Winter time comes, Jaylee puts her jacket on, and she insists that she needs to zip it up herself. You know that? Your kids do that? And they can't, and they get frustrated, and then you go and you say, Let me help you with that, sweetheart. No, I got it. I can do it, no, you know, and they won't let you help them. Your kids, kids is it just my kids who do that? Okay. And, and, and they're like, they're denying the help that you're offering, right? Because in their arrogance, they feel, I can do this, I can do this, I'm gonna do this, right? Ah, you know, to let me help you. No! And this is to be arrogant and to deny the will of the Lord. I hope that helps as an example. This is the difference. It's not that it's just going over your head. Now you're saying, no, I got this. I got this. I don't need your help. I got this. That's the difference. When you disregard the will of the Lord, you function as though he doesn't exist. But when you deny it, that means that you acknowledge God, but you arrogantly reject his will. And so we shouldn't do that. And that's the example that we see here in verse 16. As you boast in your arrogance, all such boasting is evil. Disregarding God is more of an atheistic response, meaning it doesn't even matter. I don't even see it. Denying God is more of a self-theistic response where it's like, I got this. You know, see, see, it's getting worse now. You see that? First it's just like, mm, now it's like, no thanks. I got this. <clears throat> and so those who deny God, God's will, James says, they boast in their arrogance. That word boast in the Greek is kauhamai, which means to glorify or to rejoice loudly. You're actually saying something. I got it. I got it. I got this. My plan is great. What I'm going to do is going to work. This is, this is me right here, and it's going to be awesome. And so to boast is to glory or rejoice loudly, and it's either way either in legitimate rejoicing or self-promotion. So you can say, hallelujah, praise the Lord. That's boasting in the Lord. Either way, this particular word is to say it loudly, to express it. In this particular case, obviously the context makes it clear that it's talking about bragging. And then the word arrogance. So boasting your arrogance means self-confidence, pride, It is an empty assurance which trusts in its own power and resources and shamefully despises and violates God's law. That's the definition there that I get from the the Strong's concordance there. Arrogance is self-confidence and pride that comes from nothing. You have no resources at that point. And and so we have to be reminded that our own power is nothing without god for after all james reminds us in chapter 117 that every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of lights everything that's good is from above comes from god and so if we deny that we have nothing right and so look at this he says all such bragging is evil what is evil it's it's satanic demonic right? To be evil is exactly the opposite. To be holy. And so essentially what he's saying is denying the will of God is bad, is sinful. What you're boasting in is nothing. It's totally empty. So you have no ability. It's kind of like the jacket situation and she'll just never get it done because it's broken in the first place. You know what I mean? It's that. It's it's to just not even be able to help yourself at all. And so we need the help of the Lord. We can't deny his, his will because again if we go into that place where we're denying and we're being or functioning in our arrogance then the bible is clear is that's an evil thing to do that's not a fruit of the spirit that's not something that that um that shows that we are a a believer of jesus christ and to be evil again that's demonic satanic it says it's prideful to be arrogant god opposes the proud but he gives grace to the humble so we have to check that Okay. The third and final negative response to God's will is disobedience. The situation kind of gets from bad to severe here. Disregarding God's will is more like the atheistic response. Don't even re- regard it. Denying God's will is self-theist. More like, I got this. Don't need your help. Disobeying God's will is rebellion. Now, going back to the example of my daughter. By the way, I owe you for letting me use you as an example. We have the whole table situation, she just didn't get it. We have the jacket situation, she thought she had it, right? Now the disobedience situation is a totally different thing. That's when you tell your kid, okay, if you're gonna go outside, you gotta keep your shoes on, your socks on and your jacket on, okay? You understand? Yes, I understand. Keep my shoes on, my socks on and my jacket on. Okay, go outside. (laughs) Take it all off. That's disobedience. That's to have full knowledge of what you knew was right. But nevertheless, you chose to disobey. You chose to not be obedient in that regard. You chose to do what you wanted to do for the purpose of rebellion. That's the difference. And so that's what disobedience is. It is rebellion against God. That's bad. All right. Do you see that? There's there's disregarding, denying, and then disobedience. And this is what we see here next. In verse 17, it says... So, whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. This is not to say that these other things were not sin, but this is great sin. This is a very, situ- very serious situation. And those who deliberately know, he says, know the will of God, that means that their conscience They're very conscious in moving forward with the disobedience. They know that they're in the wrong. This is a grave matter. James rebuked these such people and he says, whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is sin to know. What does that mean? This is to be very aware of something, meaning that the matter has been inspected. It has been examined. You know what is truly right, right? You know what is wrong. You have it you know, to know, to be certain. The right thing is the genuinely approved, praiseworthy response, or the noble, morally good, and excellent thing. So if you know the right thing, you are responsible in a different matter than the first two, right? It's a greater thing. So that means that there's a good understanding of what the will of the Lord is, and then you disobey. That's a problem. So When I think of the will of God, I think of two wills from what I see in Scripture. There's his desire and his decree, right? And the Bible talks like that. The will of the Lord is, or he wishes this, or he desires this. And then there's also the decree the will of the Lord is that boom, it must be done. And so either way, whether we know what the Lord desires and what the Lord decrees, we have to be aware of these things. And then when we're aware of these things, we have to be willing to submit to it and walk according to His will. Let me give you some examples. 1 Timothy 2.4, 2 Peter 3.9, specifically say that the will of the Lord is that people should be saved. So anything that we do should be with that in mind that we are good witnesses wherever we go, because that's the will of the Lord. So when we plan, let's include that in our plans. Ephesians 5, 17, 18 tells us that the will of the Lord is for His people to be filled with the Spirit. That means that we need to be constantly, right, looking into being uh, just re- really repent- repentant in the things that we need to be repentant and just constantly be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the se- First Thessalonians 4, 3 to 8 tells us that the will of the Lord is sanctification, that is to grow and to become more Christ-like in everything that we do. Everything that we plan should be for our sanctification. It shouldn't be something that's going to put us further from God, but closer to God. 1 Peter 3, uh, 17 tells us that the, that the will of the Lord is for us to maybe even go through suffering. So it's okay if things kind of get hard at times and we don't have the answers. That's probably the will of the Lord, right? And we should be very ready to walk through that, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of the death, I shall fear no evil. His promise is that he is with us. He's comfort us. You know, he guides us. He protects us, which means it's okay. We can't say, God, how dare you? No. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, right? And all things work together for the good of those who love God and give God glory. So we know that When we have the will of God, when we understand it, we are held at, I guess, we are held highly responsible for what we do or do not do. And those of us who know this responsibility and um, we choose not to obey, we fail to obey, that is what James says, we sin. This is great sin. And we will be judged accordingly. Let me take you to Luke chapter 12, 47 through 48. It says this. In regards to a parable. And that servant who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act according to his will will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. Everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. So Let's not disobey because God is a just God. He's a good God. The sin of those who disobey the will of the Lord is actually more serious than those who disregard it or deny it. So let's not disobey. Okay. That's hard, right? But we also have a good response to look at. Verse 15. Uh, James gives us a, a, a contrast to these negative responses and he provides a good response, a positive insight into how we should respond to the will of God. And verse 15 says this, instead, instead of these three things, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. What is this saying? This is saying that let's include him. Let's, let's be mindful that the, the Lord may or may not allow certain things in our lives. And ultimately, all things work together for the good of those who love them, right? If the Lord uh, wills, we will do what we will do, right? This is the proper response to anything and everything that we do. This is how we should move forward with decisions. James says, "Instead, instead of disregarding, disobeying, denying, right? We ought to say, if the Lord wills. This is Beautiful. This is acknowledging that God is sovereign. This is acknowledging that He reigns in our lives. He's in control. This is submitting to His Lordship and trusting that whatever transpires in our lives is for our good. Even though it may not feel like it sometimes. Right? Like, keep your shoes on, keep your socks on. It's for your good. (laughs) Right? And so we need to have this response to God's will, for his desire, for his decrees, for what he has called us to. For the Christian doing God's will is an act of worship. And it is good. Look at Romans 12, 1 through 2. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Let us pursue the will of the Lord. Let us delight in his word. This is how we know it. Jesus says in John 13, 17, if you know those things, blessed are you if you do them. If we know the will of the Lord, there's a blessing for doing and walking according to it. So responding to God's holy and perfect will is yet another test of living a true faith in Jesus Christ. So if you're thinking, well, I need help with this. I don't know if I always walk in the will of God. You know, we have a prescription here. We have several prescriptions here from the Bible. And how do we learn God's will? How do we get better at this? And uh, the the first thing I just want to remind you of is James 1, 5. He opens this letter by saying that God is the one who gives graciously. So if anyone needs wisdom ask for wisdom. So that's the first thing we have to do. We have to ask the Lord for wisdom. And he gives generously to all without reproach is what the scripture says. And then there's Psalm 37:4, And I love this song. This is something that I think I, I think, I think on this almost every day, if not almost every day. And it says this, and I want to share it with you, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, this psalm is very misunderstood by many people, is very misinterpreted. But let me show you what this means. This is to delight yourself in the Lord. That means to be with him, to enjoy spending time with him in his presence, in his word, in prayer, that you would feel the presence of the Lord, the the Holy Spirit moving in you, right? That you would spend time with other believers and grow together. That is to delight in the Lord, right? To look at his word and really grow and glean and you find yourself needing more and more and more of him. The Bible says that you have to knock, that you shall ask, right? That you come to him who are heaven laden and, 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 and burdened and he will give you rest. This is to delight in the Lord is to come to him. He says this, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desire of your heart. Now, that is, he will both plant the desires themselves and fulfill them according to his will. Now, so many people think that if I delight myself in the Lord, if I come to church, read my Bible, then he will give you all the things that I want. That's not what it's saying. He's saying that the very desires that you have, that desire itself will come from him. So it's not about what you want, it's what he wants you to do. Those desires will come from the Lord. And then you will no longer worry about the things that you want so much, but rather the things that the Lord wants for you. That's the prescription. That's what we need to do. We need to press into the Lord. We need to continue to grow, to develop our spirit, right? To be sanctified by him. And we will find that the things that we used to want are no longer there. And now we're wanting something different. Now we're wanting to bless the Lord, right? We want to grow in the Lord. This is the promise, is delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart and he will fulfill them. That's beautiful. And so let's do that. That's the challenge for all of us. And so I want to leave you with just a couple of takeaways and this is just basically a recap. It's important for us to, mind, to know always, one, disregarding, denying, or disobeying the will of God is a prideful response to God. That's pride. Two, acknowledging or delighting in the will of God is a humble response to God. And let me just remind you of this verse. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. This is why this is important. This is why this is included here in this letter. Because everything that we do is for the glory of God. It's according to his will And not ours. Amen? Just like Jesus is a great example of this. He prayed, Lord, take this cup from me. But if it is your will, you know, may it be done. And so he was willing to go to the cross and take on the sin of the world, Lord, because he was ready to do the will of the Lord. He knew what the will of the Lord was. And he did it. And he did it that we would be reconciled to him, that we would be justified that we would have no longer any kind of condemnation over us, but instead we would be able to rejoice in eternity with Him. It is His righteousness that was counted unto us because Jesus submitted to the will of God. You have no idea the kind of impact that your submission to the Lord's will will have on His kingdom and on His people. And so let us keep, let us keep submitting to that. Let us, let us quit being arrogant. Quit denying him. Quit refusing him, disregarding him. Let's mind him. Let's put him at the forefront of everything that we do. And I promise you, God will do mighty things, you know, through you with your life. Oh, that's a perfect person to use. The one who is eager to move and to work according to the will of God. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you, Father, for your instructions, Lord. We do long to live according to your will. We ask that you would forgive us for being ignorant, Lord, or for being arrogant, for being foolish, Lord, in, in thinking that we've got this, in thinking that we know what's best for us. Lord, we ask that you would forgive us, Jesus, and that you would help us to be more like you, that you didn't even have to submit to this cross that you took on for us, yet you did it because it was the Lord's will. And you were so ready to be obedient to it, to submit to it, Lord Jesus. And we know that your will is that for us as well. So we ask, Father, help us to live according to your will, according to your mercies, Lord Jesus, according to your grace. Father, we ask that your will be done and not ours that your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen.